Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Hello and welcome from the Rebel Road in Chicago and in Munster, Indiana. I am preparing for a show that's going to take place right after I get off of this show and it has been an amazing adventure thus far. In five weeks, I have been amazed at the experiences that have happened, the truly self-organizing structure that is starting to form through this way of living without a plan, with no control, in a way that allows a receiving, a, a passion from the heart to be the giving, and then an openness to really embrace humanity and the divinity that is in everything. We've got five back-to-back shows over the next few days between Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Minneapolis. And what truly is coming to my mind and my heart as I do each and every show is that there is a movement that is taking place. And as things are seemingly falling apart and seemingly um, going away or shutting down, there is something that is asking for a birthing. There is something that is asking us to step into a fuller aspect and experience of ourselves, a fuller experience of our own heart and our own passions and our own drives that really allow us to experience who we are rather than a homogenized human that we have become, the human that is fallen victim to these structures and societal beliefs and generational beliefs and the many systems that have come into place to try to organize, to try to plan, to try to structure something that was never meant to be. We are spirit in a bottle, and spirit cannot be put in a bottle, nor can it be put in a box. And so it is time for that wonderful essence that we are to emerge and to allow it to be expressed in as and through each one of us as our own unique genius. I'm really excited about tonight's guest because her book articulates this very, very much. In my own book, Conversations with the Universe, I talk about how the world speaks to us and how everything in the world really is that reflection of who we are when we're wanting to do our own inner work and our personal responsibility. And as we begin to walk that path, we start to clean and clear ourselves so that we can step into that new power and courage and truth and trust that is of life. But when we step even go further and we allow ourselves to understand that the broader experiences that the world is showing us, whether it is banking systems and monetary systems or health care issues or government shutdowns or conflict in different parts of the world, that we are merely seeing ourselves and we're merely seeing something that is calling us to initiate a new action, a new way of being, a new birthing on the planet from who we were. My guest today is Anadea Judith, and she's an innovative thinker, best-selling author, world-renowned teacher, yoga instructor, and former therapist whose work addresses both personal and planetary transformation. Best known for her pioneering work bridging Eastern and Western psychology through the chakra systems, her books are considered the definitive Western works on the subject and have been translated into 15 languages, with nearly a million books in print worldwide. Some of these include Wheels of Life, Eastern Body and Western Mind, The Sevenfold Journey, The Illuminated Chakras, and Chakra Balancing. 
historian, mythologist, psychologist, philosopher, and gifted teacher. Enidia blends scholarly research with penetrating insight to articulate a compelling vision for the future. Her website is sacredcenters.com, and today we are discussing her book, The Global Heart Awakens, Humanity's Rite of Passage from the Love of Power to the Power of Love. And this is definitely a, an offer for us to behold a bold prophetic vision, a new myth for these times of global crisis, digging into the distant past and ranging far ahead into our promising future. Anadia Judith explains how and why we are undergoing a profound global initiation. This collective rite of passage, as she shows it, is in unraveling our antiquated world system. Based on the love of power, with our hearts now awakened, however, we are evolving new systems based on the power of love. And each one of us has a crucial part to play. I'd like to welcome Anadia Judith to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. This is a very powerful book because it really puts the words in black and white right in your face if you've been trying to deny that we have anything to do with what's going on in our world or any part to play in shifting uh, into a new way of being for ourselves and a new way of being for planet Earth. When well, you began writing this book and were inspired with this message, what was the initial impetus that really said to you, this message now has to be spoken because this is the time. Well, you know, I was working on this book for many, many years, and it was a quite a big undertaking. And at times I would get stalled or go on to other projects. But as the crises on the planet started getting worse, as we went into the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, I knew that I had to write this book. I knew that I had to show people another way. I had to create a vision because we're floundering for lack of a vision. Now, you talk about us moving from uh, the love of power to the power of love, and that also sounds as if we're shifting uh, where our attention is coming from, from within us, first of all, that we're moving maybe lower down in the body to the heart and the gut as opposed to the mind. Um, what what difference does that simple shift make when we place our attention on something? Well, you know, much of my work in my life has been with the chakra system, energy centers in the body. And this is a shift from third chakra, the love of power, to the fourth chakra. So it is a shift to a higher center. But the fourth chakra is the integration of higher and lower. So the fourth chakra integrates higher consciousness with the body spirit with matter, heaven with earth, and brings them into a beautiful balance, as well as masculine and feminine. And does the mind have anything to do with this, or do we need to put the mind aside at this point? Has the mind been the object that has really gotten us into the fix that we're in? Well, you know, I've heard it said that the longest journey a person takes in their life is the 18 inches from their head to their heart. So I wouldn't say the mind gets put on the back burner. Uh, I would say the the heart has an intelligence that we need to begin to listen to. And the heart is actually an organizing principle. So that the new myth is of the heart. The mind can help us figure out how to implement this myth. But the heart tells us what we're here for. And this is really told from that standpoint of the heart. The global heart awakens is also told from the perspective of a woman, which is um, probably the first narrative or one of the first narratives of human evolution told from this perspective. How is that narrative so vastly different from the ones that have been out there? Well, so many of the narratives out there go back not very far. They go back to the Industrial Revolution or they go back to the beginning of science or to the Renaissance. And that doesn't dig very far into our history. If we go way back before um, the masculine really dominated and plowed the goddess underground, we see that we have our real roots down in the earth where they belong. Not that we want to go back and live in a primitive state by any means, but that we any healthy plant has to find its roots. So when we find our root in civilization, the deeper those roots go, the more we can reach toward heaven. 
And so it's very important to get the feminine perspective of the lost mother and bring it up into partnership with the father and see that we ourselves are becoming the parents of the future. So let's back up there a second because there is so much focus on the divine feminine and there's also a lot of talk for many people that it's all about the divine feminine. And you've just said the word partnership with the masculine. So I'd like for you to talk a little bit about how perhaps it is not about getting rid of the masculine, but that it is that integration. Absolutely. You know, I think that it's not about either gender dominating or leading. It is about both genders maturing and having equal enough status that they can actually form a divine partnership or what in mythology is called the sacred marriage. And, of course, the divine feminine is very important because it's been so repressed and we need to bring it up into equality. I mean, think of the number of churches, synagogues, and mosques dedicated to a male god and how many living goddess temples are there in the West. You know, most people couldn't name a single one. So that tells us how far we have to go to bring, you know, the stature of the feminine up in equality to the masculine. But it's certainly not about getting rid of the masculine. The masculine has given us, you know, many, many things. In fact, I often say that the male has a thing and the woman has a place. Men have given us marvelous things, but they've trashed the place. Mm. And so now we need to put more attention onto the place and heal that and you know, work together in, in a partnership to create the work, to create the future. And, and where a woman comes in or divine feminine comes in is really that return to the sacred. When, when we're talking about the place, it is the sacred that exists in all things. Is that correct? Absolutely. And the loss of the sacred perhaps could be the most devastating loss. And I find as I travel around and teach, people are hungry for a sense of the sacred again a sense that really gives them a a sacred sense of place, a sacred sense of their own body, a sacred sense of the feminine. Women especially need that for honoring themselves and, you know, bringing out their best gifts. Now, when we also talk about the divine masculine and the divine feminine, uh, is that also the illustration of how we have been such a doing society, a willing society, a pushing society, an aggressive society versus now moving into a society that perhaps is more allowing, trusting, and receiving. And to step into that place, who do we have to become? Exactly. I talk about it as we're suffering from yangxiety. Mm. <laughs> and uh, we, we need to come into some yin wisdom and so it's not just even looking at the status of women per se, it's the status of the values associated with the feminine. And so when we say masculine aggression is worth more than feminine contemplation, for example, uh, then we have a domination of the yang. So it's not, you know, it's that men have, you know, denied their feminine sides as well and they're suffering because of it. So this whole call as the global heart awakens or this rite of passage as you're talking about, it really is meant to be not only the integration of men and women working together as equals, but the integration of the masculine and the feminine within each one of us and balancing. Exactly. Within each one of us, but also within our cultural values that we associate masculine and feminine values, and we bring both of them in. The feminine values of cooperation and negotiation and nurturing, these are important to bring into our government, for example. Well, we know that what's just happened with the government shutdown uh, has many people that were a little panicked or up in arms or questioning or wondering or in fear when these types of things happen, whether it's that or whether it is a banking uh, situation or even health care issues, is there an approach that we need to take to those things where perhaps this is all for our good rather than something that is really here to tear us up or tear us apart? Yes. Well, what I see is that in this rite of passage that I describe in the book, From the Love of Power to the Power of Love, It is a process of growing up. It is an initiation from our adolescence to our adulthood. 
So what we see when we have government failure, when, you know, the political candidates act like children in a sandbox having a fight over territory, is that failure is actually forcing the populace, the, the population itself, to grow up. And the more the, the old power structure, the, the authority power structure begins to falter, the more people pick up the reins themselves. For example, the government is not doing a terribly good job of protecting the economy, the peace, or the environment, or even the protection of democracy. But in the largest movement known to humanity in the history of humanity or the largest movement today is the movement of individuals voluntarily joining non-governmental organizations that are designed to do exactly that, to, you know, protect the environment, for, to fight for social justice, to preserve democracy, to study peace, to study consciousness. People are doing this out of the goodwill of their hearts, basically, not because they're getting well paid and not because someone is telling them to. So this is a very encouraging sign, and the more we have corruption in the government, the more people have picked up the power in their own hands. Even the closing of the national parks these past two weeks, volunteers rolled up their sleeves and said, well, we'll do volunteer work to keep the parks open. You know, that's amazing. And in the end, isn't that what we're all really seeking and isn't that so much of what will awaken the globe and heart is that sense of connection and community that has somehow been lost in the face of all of our structure and paradigms and belief systems and things that we have uh, carried from generation to generation. Exactly. We've really grown from a a paradigm of separation. And something else that we're seeing is in the wake of tragedies, like Katrina or 9-11 or Hurricane Sandy, what happens is people's isolation breaks and they, you know, come out of their shattered houses and they make community and they put up food camps and they start helping each other. They start meeting their neighbors. And even though, you know, these tragedies are something I wouldn't wish on anyone, there is a silver lining that is growing out of it that is a sense of community and possibility that people didn't feel before. My guest today is Anadea Judith, and she is an author that is internationally best-selling with books in as many as 15 languages. The human drama is nearing its denouement. The great unveiling is approaching, a time when the power structures of the world begin to crumble and people of the heart sing out a new truth. Many voices are joining the chorus. Many feet are walking the path. Many minds are dreaming possibilities. For beneath the crises that are looming at every level of civilization, the global heart is awakening, beating out the rhythm of a new and glorious dance. This is from the book, The Global Heart Awakens, Humanity's Rite of Passage from the Love of Power to the Power of Love. You can find out more about Anadia Judith and all of her work, including this book, at her website, sacredcenters.com. We'll be right back with Anadia Judith. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You are listening.
listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. You can connect to the Rebel Road Tour if you'll go to therebelroad.com and you'll see all of the cities listed as we are invited to places across North America. You can also follow on YouTube all of the daily diaries and the many interviews with creative rebels that I am doing along the path to illustrate to you that there are no longer any excuses to not live your dreams, to not follow your heart, and to not express your unique genius in your own style and exquisiteness as it is to be on the planet. The time is now, and each and every one of us are an essential part and a part of essence here to express and experience ourselves as the divine flowing in, as, and through us. My guest today has written an amazing book that is a wonderful tribute to this path of a creative rebel. It is The Global Heart Awakens. It really allows us to understand that we are in this place of now shifting from the love of power to the power of love, that this, in fact, all of the things that are happening in our life are a rite of passage. In the theater of our world, we are simultaneously audience and cast, playing to an instantaneous feedback system that continually shows us our reflection. We see how the combined actions of 7 billion humans are slowly weaving the global tapestry into a new picture. The threads of this tapestry were spun from archaic forces long ago and woven over time by the myths, legends, and heroic deeds of our ancestors. To weave a new picture, we must engage with these archetypal forces and take them into our own hands with maturity, with consciousness, and most of all, with heart. Welcome back, Anadia. There's some beautiful things. Thank you. It's interesting hearing my words book. come yes. back to me. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's some, some beautiful passages written in this book, and that's, that's a really, really powerful one because it is so much about who we are being in the world and how that world is reflecting to us. And I think many people may not have realized that in our global state, we really are in that period of adolescence. We don't think about a global heart. We don't think about the earth in itself being something that's going through age stages. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, You know, if we saw a a child, you know, having a temper tantrum on the playground and maybe hitting a friend, we wouldn't necessarily assume that child's going to be violent all his life. We would just say he's, he's a young child and he needs to learn better ways. And so I think humanity is still in an immature stage, but we're in a dangerous stage of adolescence where we have the power of an adult, and we do not yet have the maturity and the wisdom. And I think the initiation that is coming down by the difficulties that are brewing on this planet will initiate humans into the next stage of awareness, which will give us the wisdom to handle our power wisely. And, you know, there's so many parallels to being adolescents. We're self-absorbed and concerned with image, and we're consuming everything, and we have a huge rapid growth and population, and we've been living under parental rule where mom and dad essentially have been providing everything, and we're now coming to the point where, oh, it's not about a top-down authority. It's not about everything being just handed to us on a silver platter. It's about learning to work together to create a world we can love, a world that we can't wait to get up in the morning and read about and be part of. And to me, that world is heaven on earth. That's what we're here to create. Now, you've said those stages of initiation are many of these uh, experiences that we're having that may not feel so good. And you talk about in the book initiation beginning with separation from what is known and familiar, oftentimes having loss of safety, and many times arresting our own attention. So is that is that necessarily a certain... A pattern that has to be fallen and we end up in a place of surrender or is it something we can take charge of ourselves? I know with the Rebel Road, I came to that place last November where who I knew myself to be has taken me as far as I could go and so I needed to dive into my unknown self. Can we each take that moment and say rather than having to be hit with initiations and going into the unknown from a place of fear and loss of safety, can we say I'm going to dive into the unknown and allow myself to let go of what I have believed was me? 
Exactly. I mean, if we consciously take on the initiation, if we consciously surrender to a higher power, if we consciously surrender our attachment to the old ways and are willing to enter the unknown and willing to trust our heart and willing to ask spirit for guidance, then I think that we can avoid the more difficult aspects of initiation. It's when we turn our backs to the future that initiation is got to, you know, kick us in the butt, literally, to get us to let go. And so I think, you know, humanity is at a crossroads right now. We can either embrace the future and embrace the unknown and roll up our sleeves and get working together, or we can stubbornly cling to the past and create disasters that are going to get us there. But one way or another, we're going to go to the future. And you talk about the most difficult stage of initiation being that one that involves some kind of death. And for many of us, that death seems to be occurring or trying to occur symbolically in many phases of our life. Can you talk about that aspect of uh, symbolic death that must occur throughout our lives for us to keep growing and move into the future in the way that you're talking about in this book? Well, many people are facing these initiatory crises. Maybe they get a a diagnosis of cancer and that gives them a wake-up call that they change their diet and they change their attitudes and, you know, how they treat people or they, you know, lose their homes or something, you know, that gives them a wake-up call. And whole villages are also getting this, you know, whole countries sometimes with, you know, natural disasters. These are initiatory challenges that are waking us up to a new order. And, you know, the purpose of initiation is, you know, the death part is only to take away what we really need to see beyond, what is not eternal, what is false, sort of to take away the false idols. And um, what initiation is designed to do is awaken powers that are latent, that are asleep in the human being. And by the challenges... I mean, we even know this if we raise children, that the act of raising children is a kind of initiation that awakens powers and strengths and patience in us that might not have been developed before. So the initiatory challenges are awakening a kind of cooperation. They're awakening a kind of community. They're awakening, even in, in, in Fukushima, I read a letter from someone in Japan that said, you know, I never knew my neighbors, but we're coming out and we're helping each other. We're having dinner together. We can see the stars at night because the lights are out. Uh, we stay home instead of working all the time, and we spend more time in our kids. There's a silver lining to all this. And, again, the more we go directly to that, the more we can perhaps avoid the more difficult aspects of that death part of initiation. And the the place that we have come from has really been more of the static feminine. You talk about that being more of the infancy. And so talk about the distinction between static feminine and the divine feminine that we are to move into more and more now. Well, in the book I talk about history as going through these various valences of masculine and feminine. And the masculine comes in both a static and dynamic form, and so does the feminine. So we began in the static feminine. We were bound to the cycles of nature, and that was the divine feminine. It was the mother, and everything was a worship of the mother. Just as a young child, you know, the mother is the center of that child's consciousness, and the child can't go very far away from the mother and still survive. Thus, it's, it's nurturing, but it's limiting. Then the dynamic masculine overthrew the mother and turned all values on its head, turned everything to its opposite. If the earth was good, the earth was evil and heaven was good. If the body was good, then the body became evil and mind became the place to go. And so the dynamic masculine was very aggressive and it amassed a lot of people together under empire. And once the dynamic masculine had seized power, Its job next was to maintain that power. It became the static masculine. It maintained power through law and order and regulation. And here we had science and the creation of distinctions and technology and industry. And the static masculine has brought us all of that. 
The fourth dynamic in this is the dynamic feminine, which comes in to fill out and balance. And the dynamic feminine is, again, our passion. It is our creativity. It is our worship in circles instead of sitting in rows listening to a man out front. It is coming up from the emotions and the reclaiming of the soul. It is, in science, nonlinear dynamics and spiral dynamics and chaos theory and quantum mechanics rather than just Newtonian physics. In, you know, economics, it's more about community sharing. The dynamic feminine is artistic and creative. And so it's not about any one of these four forms leading or dominating, but that all four have both positive and negative qualities. And by becoming aware of them and how they are within our own selves, we can begin to balance this dance of masculine feminine that is so essential to balance in order to get to a paradigm of the heart. And you talk about how we actually have to put together the previous three with the dynamic feminine to have that wholeness and then proceed into that maturity. So again, there's that message of it's not about um, letting go of something or forgetting something or separating from something, but integration, communing, and bringing it all together for wholeness. Exactly. You know, Jung talked about the quaternity. When you have four, you have a balance and wholeness. So we have, you know, in a sense, it's both the masculine and feminine sides of the masculine and feminine, both the static, sustaining, and the initiating dynamic. So when we have that, then we're really playing with a full deck, finally. You've written so many books in regard to the chakras, and you're so well-known all over the world for your work in that. As we move into this place of truly balancing out and, and stepping into this divine feminine energy and learning how to integrate it with our divine masculine, is there anything that happens through the body, whether on a cellular level or to our chakras, that is of significant shift than what we have known ourselves to be? Is there anything that we would experience or... Um, need to focus our attention on in this time of great change? Yes, I think there is. That's a great question. In my chakra work, what I have focused on more and more, and I've been working with the chakras for 40 years now, is the core. The core is the vertical alignment between heaven and earth, between the divine and the mortal. And it is along that core that the chakras are situated Um, They run right up and down the front of the spine. And so as we, the shift we take in our body is a shift towards core awareness, towards living from our core, living from our truest, deepest nature and our highest purpose, our destiny, if you will, living our soul's true purpose. And the more we find our core truth, our core love, our core power, you know, the feelings that are at our core, the more we step into that alignment where each of us becomes the rainbow bridge or the connection between heaven and earth. So I think that is the shift, that we are moving more deeply into our core. And I know that when I had you on previously, I guess about a year ago, and you you came out with uh, one of your books with with Goodman as the co-author, you talked a lot about diving into the chakras from... Uh, overhead down into the root as opposed to the other direction. In this book, you talk about moving into the tribal. Is the reason to go in that direction to really root ourselves into a new um, movement where everything is that sacred and we are kind of um, allowing ourselves to go back to the ancients of the tribal and the connectivity of family and community in the way that it used to be? Well, you know, we've all done so much work to get to higher consciousness. We've been working on that for decades. And the question I ask is, when you get to higher consciousness, what then? What do you do with it? I think that what we do with it is we become agents of service in honor of creating heaven on earth, in honor of creating a sacred world again. And so in that sense, bringing the higher consciousness downward is exactly as you're saying, a re-sacralization, making sacred again the earth, the body, the food we eat, the connections we have with each other, you know, the everyday things. It's not about leaving this world to go to some other place. It's about making this world sacred or recognizing it as sacred. 
And so the top-down is how we manifest our highest vision, our, our highest purpose, and bring our dreams down into reality where they can be of service to ourselves and our communities and our world. This drama is a love story on the grandest scale, not an adolescent tale of romantic projection and a happily ever after fantasy, but a tale of how to live from our hearts, co-creating a world run by what we love more than what we fear, connection more than separation, collaboration more than competition, embracing mystery as much as certainty. It is a story that looks at love, not as a mere sentiment, but as a profound social organizing principle, indeed the self-organizing principle that mirrors the myriad relationships within nature's web of life. When this principle of love is truly understood and applied, miracles are possible. This is from Entity of Judith's book, The Global Heart Awakens, Humanity's Rite of Passage from the Love of Power to the Power of Love. You can find out more about all of her work at sacredcenters.com. And definitely, if you have not read some of her other books, pick up The Illuminated Chakras, Chakra Balancing, Wheels of Life, or The Sevenfold Journey. We'll be right back with Anadia Judith. This is the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Welcome back. If you are not familiar with it, I invite you to sign up for your free subscription, your online subscription to 1111 Magazine. It is my gift to humanity and is available to any and everyone. There are amazing articles from people all over the world There is wisdom within each one of us, and I invite you to explore the pages that are both sensory and full of rich words and content. You can find out more about that at 1111mag.com and start receiving yours today. We are doing actually 10 issues this year as opposed to six because I'm also including the Rebel Road journey and all of the amazing people that we're meeting along the way. So definitely access that. Be inspired and then go out and be your own creative rebel. My guest today is Anadia Judith, and we are talking about her book, The Global Heart Awakens. It is definitely a book for our time. It is a book to allow you to understand who you are right now and where we are going, what we need to do to really be a part of this beautiful shift and change that is happening, even though the outside might look otherwise or we may judge it as otherwise, in order to develop that deep wisdom necessary to deal with the immense issues at hand. It is time to find a new myth that will guide us to a thriving future. Anadia Judith believes that we must inquire into the essential questions asked by myths and legends of all ages. Who are we? Where do we come from? Where are we going? She feels that to answer these questions will give meaning to the drama, reveal the purpose, and find the parts that each of us plays. It is these questions embedded in the human mystery play that this book actually addresses. And again, the book is The Global Heart Awakening. 
humanity's uh, global heart awakens, humanity's rite of passage from the love of power to the power of love. You talked a bit, India, about us being the sacred mother and father and that merging, and we are giving birth to the divine child, that we're really birthing uh, a new planet, a new way of being. Talk a little bit more about that trinity and that new birthing that is taking place through us. Well, I, I say that evolution is the God's way of making more gods. So that means we are becoming gods and goddesses in human form. And as we grow up, uh, what, you know, adults do is they form relationships and, you know, as they form a marriage bond, for example, they often have a child. And so I asked with the divine feminine, divine masculine finally entering into a mature partnership, what is the child that we are giving birth to? And I think that child is nothing less than the future itself, that we're at a point in evolution where for the first time we can actually design the future instead of passively stumble into it. And the thing in mythology about the divine child is it has powers and capabilities beyond either of its parents that are a surprise, that there's something very special about the divine child, the one that comes out of a true mystical union. Now, this is a metaphor, so it's not just about human relationships. It's about the internal marriage of masculine and feminine within ourselves giving birth to whatever we're creating, which is our own divine child. It doesn't have to be a human child. It could be, you know, a, a work of art. It could be a business. It could be a book. It could be a home. Um, and so... But what we're creating together is the future, and this requires so much consciousness, so much collaboration and listening to each other and employing our creativity. And I think, you know, it's very important in this to change the passive question of, oh, what's going to happen here, to, well, what do we want to create together? Mm -hmm. And we create. And we come from a history of really feeling like it's the struggle that gets us to a certain place, that it's the wrestling of those dualities that make us reach these uh, transcendent or evolved forms. And we've come from a place of really looking at things as either dark versus light. Is, is this meaning that we are now taking such responsibility for our lives and our own path to wholeness and divinity that we don't have to experience those sorts of things or we don't have to create those sorts of things? Or does it mean that we embrace all of that as part of the beautiful path to wholeness? I think that we embrace it all. And really what it means to me is that we put down the war between dark and light, good and bad, this and that, Republicans and Democrats, you know, whatever. The war within ourselves against our own nature, the war against the earth. We put down the war and embrace the integration, and that really is what the heart is about. The heart is the great integrator. Its Sanskrit name, anahata, uh, means sound that is made without any two things striking. It's really a word that means nonviolence, that there is a harmony, there is a working together rather than two parts fighting each other. So when we're talking about waking the global heart, for many people that may seem like a huge task, and who are they to even be part of that task? Yet you talk about waking the global heart being something that begins with each and every one of us. Can you talk about the beginning steps of that so that we understand how we really are part of that individually? Each time we take an act of generosity, we are awakening the heart. Each time we engage in an act of forgiveness or compassion, we are contributing from our individual hearts to an awakening of the heart. Each time we make our own relationship or community or home or family or workplace a little more heavenly, we're creating a bit of heaven on earth. We don't have to have huge power, political power, financial power, whatever, in order to make a change in the world. It can begin at home by just rising to a little bit higher level of consciousness, from putting down the fight and listening to each other, from honoring the divine within all things, 
and accepting and surrendering and softening and listening. These are all aspects that take us into the heart. And you speak about the values of the heart, whether they're small or large choices, are what truly take us from the love of power to the power of love. Can you identify some of these values, and then is there anything that we have to literally do, or is it a being that just starts to happen within us? Well, I think one of the shifts is from doing to being. And everywhere I go, people say, well, what can we do? What can we do? And I say, well, wait a minute. Take a breath and say, what are we being? You know, how are we being? That it is more of a being state. Um, You know, globally, some of these shifts are, you know, from a war to a peace model. They are a change of an economics for a few to an economics for everybody. They're from a chain of command to a web of connection, from greed to green or from an ecosystem to an ecosystem. Um, And globally, it's also the integration of these polarities that have been at war with each other, that have been separated, where we have seen heaven and earth as very separate realms, masculine and feminine as separate realms, and mind and body as separate. And as we bring these aspects back together again, we start to have the wholeness that begins to awaken the heart. In that awakening of the heart, do we strengthen the neural network of the heart and strengthen that brain that's within there, or is it already strong enough and we just haven't allowed our attention to be from that place that that allows it to be the intelligence that is within us? Well, I think the neural network is already there, but we have, uh, you know, neuropsychology has a saying that neurons that fire together wire together. So that means the associations we make, you know, they they get strengthened over time. That's why people have habits. They have the habit of wanting a cigarette after dinner because that association is wired in their brain. So the more we actually tune into the heart itself, the more we listen to the heart, the more that becomes a habit. And we know that letting the heart rule sets up a coherence, an electromagnetic coherence in the body that extends far beyond the body. And when two people are in that coherence, there's a field around them both that is coherent. So the Institute of HeartMath, for example, is working on the global coherence initiative of trying to get as many people to do practices of heart coherence to allow a kind of global heart field, if you will, that they believe will, um, you know, soften things like crime and war and difficulties and begin to birth this era into the heart. Now, we have so many children that are being birthed on the planet, and I can even see five- and six-year-olds, even some teenagers, and some college-age students that seem to be so clear. They seem to truly already live from the heart. They seem to have such a sense of who they are, and they really act and be from a place of love. What are, are we moving more into that kind of human being already, or is it that they are uh, a new type of being on the planet that is here that is going to just automatically shift where we're going, and we are just trying to catch up? Well, I think they are already, I think they're a little ahead of their time, and they are showing where we're going. And, you know, they are the divine child, in a sense, that is a little bit beyond either of its parents. But I think one of the things that has created these children coming into the world is that we have had a generation now where the feminine has had more ascendance, you know. I mean, the 60s was a real feminine awakening, and that, um, you know, we did our consciousness raising. And then the relationships between the parents that these children are coming from are much more cooperative and egalitarian and much more conscious. So the result of that is these divine children that are more integrated. You know, sometimes when I talk to youth audiences, you know, they don't understand that there used to be this war between masculine and feminine. They, they take it for granted that people of different races are just equal to them and they don't even notice that somebody's black and white, you know. They don't understand the generations we came, where we came from that these were big issues and that shows how far we've come and the direction we need to go. 
I always look at everything that shows up around me and it allows me to inquire into different subjects. And as I've been on the Rebel Road, it's interesting how I have met many individuals lately that are transgender. Are these types of individuals that are transgender or the types of individuals that um, are homosexual, are they here to illustrate to us that it is a time to actually move beyond gender even and really step into that marriage of masculine and feminine? Are they kind of a representation or a mythology in their own right? Well, I think in, in the past, people like that have always been a bit on the leading ed- edge of culture. And uh, that they are not caught in the polarities and the standard definitions, and they're listening to their own, their own inner being of how do I want to express myself. And I think they are integrating the masculine and feminine in, in their own unique way. And what we need to allow is for each person to do it in their own unique way, whether that is being, you know, completely feminine or whether that's being more androgynous or completely masculine, that the flowers, you know, a garden needs flowers of many colors. Beautiful. I definitely urge you all to get your copy of The Global Heart Awakens. Humanity's Rite of Passage from the Love of Power to the Power of Love. Anadia Judith has written some amazing books that are translated into 15 languages and sold worldwide. Some of her other books are Wheels of Life, Eastern Body, Western Mind, The Sevenfold Journey, The Illuminated Chakras, and Chakra Balancing. She is an innovative thinker, a best-selling author, and a world-renowned teacher. You can find out more about her at sacredcenters.com. Again, the book is entitled... The Global Heart Awakens. Get your copy today. Thank you so much, Anadia, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. It has been an honor and a pleasure. Simran, it's been an honor for me as well. Thank you so much for all the work that you do. Until next week, in love, of love, with love, and as love, I'm Simran Singh, and I will catch you from another city on the Rebel Road. Take care. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Talk Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.